You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. Go ahead and be seated. I believe God is at work here in our church. And, and if you can't pick up on that, then, then you're not looking around and paying attention. God is doing some cool things here, um, and I believe God's Word has a, has a timely message for us today. But since Pastor Jeremy's out of the country, um, I'm filling the pulpit, and that means we're also pushing pause on Philippians. So if you only brought Philippians with you, you're in trouble, okay? Um, you're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to talk about, um, this. there's a prayer here in the middle of Ephesians um, that we're going to dig into today. But as we get started, I have a question for you. How many of you have ever been speechless before? You ever been speechless? Okay. If you know me very well, it does not happen to me very often, okay? Uh, I'm not known for being speechless, but I, I was thinking about it, and I thought, when when the last time I was speechless? And boy, I think I remembered one of the last times I was speechless, okay? So last year, for my birthday, I asked, and I wanted to go to the Demolition Derby at the Ozark Empire Fair, okay? And so uh, <laughs> myself, my, my wife, Pastor Johnny, and Miss Nikki went to the Demolition Derby, and it was the most redneck fun I've ever had in my entire life. And listen, I'm from South Arkansas. Those were my people there, and the only disappointment was that I didn't get to participate, okay? So it's cool. Um, they figure eight racing. I thought that looks like fun to try. But listen, well, I wasn't speechless until they got to the part. They had a demolition derby that was combines, okay? Uh, there's a picture right up here. There were five. Combines are big pieces of equipment. Listen, they had five combines in this arena, and the last combine still driving one. I've never seen anything like this in my life. I was speechless. Look, you can see this picture. They flipped two combines over on their side. It was unreal. I was, wasn't I speechless? I was speechless. Oh my goodness, it was so much fun, okay? And so, as fun as that is, it does not, it takes combines destroying themselves to make me speechless, okay? I don't know what that tells you about me, but let me tell you another time. So, another time in my life, I'm more commonly speechless, and this one's actually quite annoying, okay? I get speechless in prayer sometimes. Does that ever happen to you? Like, not in a good way. Not like I'm so holy I get all speechless. It's a matter of, like, I can have a problem or something going on in my life that I know I should pray about. And I could literally talk to people all day long about it. And then I go, and I'm like, I better pray about this. And I go, and I pray, and I go, yeah, like, God, I don't know, do something. Like, you, you, it, it is shocking how I can talk to someone all day long about a problem until I bring it to before the Lord and I become speechless. It is so annoying. Does it, um, you don't have to raise your hand on that one. If that happens to you, um, you're not alone. Apparently even your pastors feel like that sometimes. And so um, our text today, we're going to get to look and peek into a prayer that Paul prays over the Ephesian church, okay? And this is a powerful prayer because these are God-sized prayers that he is asking. So, the next time you are speechless in prayer, or the next time you don't know what to pray, these are four go-to prayers that you can pray over anyone and every circumstance, okay? Um, our world um, needs us to pray these prayers. Our church needs us to pray these prayers. So um, let's dig into this together. You can stand in the honor of reading God's word. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 14. It says, For this reason, 
I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we come before you and we, we look to your word as an example. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to lead our church in prayer. Um, I sense and I know that our church wants to pray um, and is feeling led to pray. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to pray. Lord, I pray that we would continue in that and that we would pray big and bold prayers um, that only you can answer. So teach us today from your word, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. So um, we're going to look at, in this passage, we're going to see four powerful prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed over the church at Ephesus. And what we're going to see here is that these are four prayers that I believe our world and our church needs you to be praying also. Okay, so let's look back. Um, you're going to need to keep your Bibles open for this. We're going to look back at verse 14. The first thing, point number one that we see, the first thing that Paul prays for is for strength. Paul prays for strength. He specifically said, Paul prays that the Ephesians would be strengthened with power through the Spirit. Okay? And so he is praying for strength. This is not, um, this is not our own strength. This is not a strength that we can muster up on our own. Okay? This is not made in America, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get it done yourself. This is for a strength that is inside of us that is only coming through the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, everyone in this room who is a believer has the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you, okay? Um, at the moment you become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. All of you who are believers have the presence, but I believe not all of us experience the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, okay? He is praying that we would be strengthened by that power that lives inside of us. So look here in the text, a couple things he says, power is through his spirit, but then he says, in your inner being, okay? This is an inward power. This is not an external power. This is an inward power, which is going to help. It is a spiritual power. Power. Now listen, we, um, we live in a world that is, that is obsessed with the, the outward appearance, okay? Between, between beauty products and fitness routines and exercise equipments and everything we see, everything we do, we are obsessed with the outer body. And Paul says, I'm not worried about that. In my prayers, I'm far more concerned about your spiritual state in your inner man. He is not praying for outward strength to muster up and be able to do something on our own. He is praying for inner strength that comes through the Holy Spirit. Our prayers also should reflect that, okay? But here's the thing. Sadly, I, look at, I listen to my own prayers. I hear prayers of others. And the majority of our prayers deal with outward 
problems, okay? I know we should be praying for your aunt's cousin's broken toe, okay? That's an important prayer that we can and should pray. But Paul is more concerned here with the inner man and the inner strength, okay? So we do, we can and should pray for outward problems. But Paul here is showing us a far bigger and far more powerful prayer. And that is praying that we would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in our inner being. Now, there's a, there's a special note here. I want to take a second and look here. In verse 14, a, a phrase here, Paul says, For this reason, he says, I bow my knees. Before we move on from this point about strength, I want you to know um, that's an important phrase here. The, to us, we come in 2,000 years of church history, kneeling in prayer is a common thing. But here in the Bible, it's not. The common posture of a Jewish man praying would be standing with his arms outstretched like this. And Paul says, I am kneeling on behalf of you and praying. Kneeling is a posture of humility. Okay? And humility is key in prayer. When we come before the Lord, we must kneel in humility. Very, very rarely will you find God and the Holy Spirit moving powerfully in a man who is not humble, okay? Humbleness and God's Spirit working in power go hand in hand, okay? Now, don't get me wrong. I stand before you as a man who struggles to be humble sometimes, okay? And so, or a lot of times. Um, So we're going to have those struggles here, but the key is, okay, you may fail in being humble before others sometimes, But the moment that we approach God in prayer, we must do so in humility, okay? We are praying and asking God to do something that only he can do. And we must come in humbleness. And when we come and we kneel before God and we ask these prayers, he is preparing us even in that very moment to begin receiving those prayers. Humility and God working in power almost always go hand in hand hand, okay? The man of God, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, is always a man filled with humbleness, okay? Always. So he, he prays for strength from the power in the Holy Spirit, okay? The second prayer request that he asks is he prays for strength, and then he prays for depth, Okay, these, each one of these prayer requests go hand in hand. Uh, I, heard, I read someone say it's almost like a telescope, you know, that has four sections. It's four distinct sections, but they all go together, one um, feeding into the next, okay? The next one that he prays is for depth. He is praying that Paul prays the Ephesians would be rooted and grounded in love. Look with me, verse 17, he says, So that Christ... May dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Listen, when you any type of plant, no matter what plant you have, the roots are key to the entire plant's growth. Okay? You do not see the roots. But they are key. Now listen, you guys know I'm really just a farm boy at heart, and so I love a good agriculture metaphor here, okay? So let's talk about being rooted, okay? Paul is saying you should spiritually be like dandelions, okay? Um, You guys know what I'm talking about. You get dandelions that grow in your yard, and you cannot get rid of them, okay? If you try and dig a dandelion up, 
you will not be able to pull up all the roots. Why? Because dandelions have a tap root that go incredibly deep into the soil. Dandelions can also grow anywhere. Dandelions, look, like you can plant some nice pretty flowers and you have to baby them and water them and take care of them and they still might die. But dandelions are like, sweet, new concrete. I could grow there, okay? <laughs> Why? Because they have a tap root that even in harsh um, living situations, their tap root goes deep enough that they can still survive, okay? Paul says you should be rooted in Christ's love. You should be like that dandelion that has roots, okay? Um, but here's another uh, metaphor of being rooted. Uh, if you hang out with me very long, I'm so sorry. If you, if you talk to me very long, you know I will talk about my Christmas tree farm, okay? I've got a Christmas tree farm. Uh, yeah, we can talk later about it. But uh, when you buy trees, especially Christmas trees, they come about this tall. They're two-year seedlings, and they're called bare root seedlings, okay? They have, you just buy them by the root. I've got 500 coming, hopefully in two weeks, okay? And so then you have to plant all these Christmas trees. And here's what you do. You, uh, there's just a planting bar. You make a hole in the ground. You don't even have to dig a hole. And you, you push, you drop the, the seedling in there, okay? The biggest thing you have to be careful about, and this is true for any tree you plant, you can't, it's called J-rooting your tree, okay? If you stick the tree too far down or the, the hole you dig isn't deep enough, the tap root will go down and then curve at the bottom. It's called J-root, okay? And so, here's the thing. If you plant a tree out of 500 trees that I'm going to plant, you plant them and you seal those holes up, you have no clue which one of those trees are J-rooted. The only way you will know is by watching them grow, okay? Because that taproot can't go deeper, you've basically stunted the entire tree's growth because the taproot can't turn and go back down, okay? And so what happens is, uh, you'll, you'll be a couple years later, and I dug up one of my trees uh, a week or two ago that was like this, and you have two trees on both sides that were about this tall, and then you have a tree right in the middle that's only about this tall, okay? It was still green, it was still growing, it was alive, Okay? I dug it up to find out, and it was J-rooted. Because two years later is only when you can see it was not growing to its full potential. It was stunted. It was never going to produce um, a Christmas tree that I wanted to. Okay? It wasn't dead. It was not growing, though. Okay? Our faith is the same way. Paul says, this is a God-sized prayer he's praying. He says, I want you to be rooted in Christ's love. Okay? And that needs to be a deep taproot like that dandelion, not like a J-rooted tree. Because if your roots are not rooted, if your life is not rooted in the love of Christ, you are stunting your spiritual growth. And you are limiting the potential of how you can grow and impact the kingdom. You're not going to die. You're still a believer. Um, okay? But you are limiting your potential and stunting your growth because you are not allowing your roots to grow deep into the love of Christ. So um, an another key here is to point out, Paul is talking about here, Christ's love for the Ephesians, not the Ephesians' love for others, okay? It's not being rooted in our ability to love other people, okay? We talk all the time about how we need to be loving to other people. That's not what Paul is talking about here. Paul is pray praying a far bigger prayer. Don't root yourself in what you can do for other people or what other people can do to you or the love that you have between them. You root yourself in Christ's love for you. Okay? And then anytime, you guys know this, anytime you see the word love here in the New Testament, you need to find out what kind of love it is. 
Um, this isn't the emotional kind of love. This is, this is the agape love that is unconditional. Okay? This is Christ's unconditional love for us. No matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter what your past is, Jesus loves you. And if you root your life in anything other than that, you will not grow to your full spiritual potential, okay? Um, you might have a great family, but if you root your um, life in your family, you are stunting your spiritual growth. If you, you can root it in your job. You can even root it in your church. You can root it in, in who you think you are, the image that you've built up. If you root yourself in anything other than Christ's love for you, you will not grow and thrive like the Apostle Paul is praying for the Ephesian church to do here, okay? So this is a God-sized prayer. Do you, see, do you see what we're doing here? These are prayers. I don't care what situation you are praying about. I don't care who you're praying about. You can pray these specific prayers, these God-sized prayers over um, situations and people. These are prayers that God wants to answer. So look with me. Um, let's move, uh, move on from there. And point number three, okay? So uh, he prays for strength. He prays for depth, and then he prays for comprehension. Look, chapter 3, verse 18, Paul says, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Not only do you need to know that Jesus loves you, you need to comprehend it um, with your entire life. Do you ever talk to, well, maybe not talk, do you ever talk to someone and you, you feel like, I hear the words coming out of your mouth, but I have no clue what you are saying. You ever feel like that? Okay, don't raise your hand. Maybe uh, it happens far more often when I'm reading books. You know, you'll read a paragraph on a page and you go, I read every word in that paragraph, and I have no clue what they are saying, okay? There's a difference in reading and hearing and actually comprehending, okay? We say all the time, oh, I know Jesus loves me, okay? That is a simple truth that anyone can learn. But Paul says, no, I want you to comprehend it in your mind and know how deeply Jesus loves you and embrace that with your entire life. Listen, Jesus loves you is a fact that we want even our um, preschoolers to know, okay? It's one of the most basic things we want little kids to learn. It is so simple that a two-year-old can learn that Jesus loves them. Uh, if you go to our preschool hall, on the, on the hallway in posters are the three things, the, the first three things that we want our preschoolers to learn when they come to church. We want them to learn that God made me, God loves me, and he wants to be my friend forever. Okay? Those are the keys. The first things that we want to teach our kids as they come here is that God made me, God loves me, and he wants to be my friend forever. So God's love for you is something so simple that even our two-year-olds over in our preschool hall right now can understand and comprehend that. But God's love for you is so vast that you can spend the rest, you should spend the rest of your life Learning and growing in comprehension of how much Jesus really loves you. He's praying that they not only know that Jesus loves them, but that they comprehend it. Okay? Um, he says here in the text, he says that Christ's uh, love surpasses knowledge. He says, I want you to know it, and then I want it to surpass the knowledge that you have, okay? Not just know it, but believe it and embrace it with your entire life. Now, there's another key phrase here I want to point out. Um, look back in the text. He says, in verse 18, may have strength to comprehend 
with all the saints. Okay? Listen to me. Jesus' love for you is not something just that we pray and ask God to teach our preschoolers. It's something that we pray and ask that God teach all of us in this room. All the saints who are following Jesus Christ is a prayer that we must be praying. And then let me tell you this too. When it comes to experiencing and growing in your love of Christ and praying for these things, you cannot do it to its full potential apart from the body of Christ. Okay? There is something powerful about Christ's love when it is experienced through the body of Christ. We live in a world that says, I can be just as good a Christian all by myself at home as I am here at church. That's not true. You can be a Christian, you can grow, but you will never grow to your full potential apart from the body of Christ. Paul is praying not only that we learn the love of Jesus, but that we do so together. Okay? Church, let's commit to growing in Christ's love together. Okay? Um, And then there's something so sweet. If you were here last Sunday for our prayer service, there is something so sweet when we begin praying these prayers together with all the saints. I believe the prayers of God's church gathered together are more powerful than individually just praying them. When we come together and we pray together, Paul is saying, pray this, seek this, and do it with all the saints. I understand you might not like everybody here, okay? You don't have to be friends with everyone, okay? Um, We have our differences, but when we come together, we are united in Christ's love, and we must pursue that, okay? And so Paul is praying that they grow in their comprehension of Christ's love. One commentator I was reading, um, Dr. Swindoll said it this way, okay? He said, how big is God's love, okay? He says, one, it is broad enough to cover anyone. It is long enough to go beyond any barrier. It is high enough to take us all the way to heaven and beyond. Actually, he didn't say heaven. He said glory, but I don't talk that way, okay? So I changed one word, okay? High enough to take us all the way to glory and beyond and deep enough to touch any need, any sin, or any hurt. Paul is saying here, I want you to grow with all the saints and understand what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Church, these are prayers that we need to pray for ourselves. These are prayers that we need to pray for our church. These are prayers that we need to pray for our world. These are powerful prayers that God will answer, praying that we grow in our understanding of Christ's love for us. Let's move on to our last point here. Is point number four. Paul prays for fullness. Um, right there at the end of verse 19, he says, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's be honest. What in the world does that mean? Okay, this point gave me more problem than all three of the other ones. Be filled with the fullness of God. I mean, what in the world does that mean? Here's the deal. God is infinite. And I am me, the furthest thing from infinite you can get. How can a finite person be filled with the fullness of an infinite God? Okay, 
I just could not understand that, okay? So if you're feeling the same way, you're not alone. It's one of those things that you read and go, I read what you're saying, but I don't get what you're saying, okay? It's actually an impossible prayer for a finite person to be filled with the fullness of an infinite God, okay? But that's the point. This is the goal of this entire prayer, okay? These prayer requests are leading and building on each other, and it leads us to this final point, asking that God would fill us with the fullness of God, going to be more and more like Christ, being filled, every part of us being torn and stripped away, every part that you may, if you say, God, I will do anything you ask except fill in the blank, that is an area of your life you are withholding from God and not allowing the fullness of God to fill, okay? But here's the deal. I still don't understand it. I'm, I'm a kid's pastor at heart, and so I think in illustrations, and I finally figured it out, okay? Listen, so we have, I was going to bring it with me, and I forgot. Uh, we have a trash can at our house. It is a 13-gallon trash can. It used to work great before we had any kids, okay? Um, and somehow, like a good husband, somehow, I don't know, it's my job to take the trash out, okay? Fine. The trash can, like, shrinks every time we have a child. Every child that comes into our house, the trash can shrinks. And I'm telling you, the, the amount of trash that my family creates is infinite, okay? <laughs> my daughter, my four-year-old daughter, can sit at the table and cut construction paper into tiny pieces and glue it onto other construction paper for hours, the amount of crafts that are created in our house that, yes, get thrown away. You do not have to keep. Parents, don't feel any guilt. You do not have to keep every craft your kid makes, okay? They're called floorboard crafts is what I call them. We make them at church. They live in your floorboard, okay? Floorboard crafts. I'm telling you, the amount of trash that my family creates is infinite, okay? And Hannah will tell me almost every night I come home, she's like, hey, the trash can's full. You need to take it out. But I've got a little trick I like to play. Okay? Who wants to take the trash out that often? And I like to get my money's worth out of my trash bags. And so here's what I've learned. You can take the trash bag out of the trash can, like kind of tap it a little bit, lean it up against the cabinet, and guess what? You can magically go a whole nother day collecting <laughs> trash. Now, I will tell you, when you have a one-year-old at home, that is a dangerous game to play. But I still like to play it, okay? Here's the thing. I cannot fill my trash can to the fullness of the infinite amount of trash that my family creates. However, when I come along and I pull that trash bag out, all of a sudden, magically, that trash bag can hold far more, okay? And I can now fill it with the fullness of trash that my family, mostly my four-year-old, creates, okay? Will it hold all the trash that I ever have? No, I still will have to take it out. Can it hold far more trash than it could when it was in that trash can? Yes. Your life is like that trash can, okay? You can only hold so much stuff. But when Paul says, you pray and you ask God to fill you with the fullness of God, this is a God-sized prayer. God can come along and he can take your trash bag out of, the, the metaphor breaks down when we start talking about trash, okay? God's not filling your life with trash, okay? Every illustration breaks down. But he will, spiritually speaking, Pull that trash bag out, and all of a sudden, you can hold twice as much 
of the Lord as you possibly thought, okay? So make sure your trash bag is as empty as can be because anything you are adding into that trash bag is something that God is taking up room that is limiting the fullness of God's in your life, okay? And so this is a God-sized prayer that Paul is praying that we would be filled with the fullness of God. I believe... I honestly believe, and I started believing this last August, right when we were finishing our James series. I believe our church wants to pray. I believe we corporately want to pray. I also believe we don't exactly know how or when to pray. But it is no coincidence how much God has been teaching us to pray. We have a a 24-7, one-week prayer service that we saw, not prayer service, boy, that'd be awesome, whoa, Um, a prayer room, prayer room, that sounds like a ton of work, never mind, Um, a prayer room in which we saw God answering prayers. Last Sunday, we saw a tangible need in our world. Ridgecrest, we had the resources and people to fill those needs, and we gathered together right in this room and prayed for an hour and a half. And Wayne just got up and told you and listed off an entire slide of prayers that God answered. Listen, church, I believe we must pray. I believe God is calling us to pray. And when you don't know what to pray, because those times will come, dig out Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians 4 if you're working on your marriage, I guess. Um, Ephesians (laughs) 3, dig out Ephesians 3 and then, and pray these prayers along with Paul. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. As we close, our, our, our musicians are going to come forward. As we close, here's what I want to do. Um, as they begin to sing, my encouragement to you is don't feel a need to stand up and sing right away. Okay, who is someone that you need to pray these prayers over? Okay, it might be yourself. You might need these prayers. It might be your family. It might be a coworker. It might be an enemy. It might be um, people in Ukraine, around the world. It may be something else. Whoever that is, who is it that God is burdening your heart to pray these four God-sized prayers over? And my encouragement is, as we begin to sing, I want you to pray those prayers right here. As we said in our prayer service last week, church, let's get to work. This is the work of what we're supposed to be doing, okay? And then for some of you, in a moment, you may be sitting here and say, this all sounds like an impossibility to me because you have never given your life to Christ. If you are not a believer here today, these prayers are impossible for you to pray. How can you pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you when the Holy Spirit is not inside your life? How can you pray for depth to grow deeper into God's love when you have not experienced God's love in the first place? Okay? If that is you and you have not trusted Christ in salvation, I would encourage you, today is the day that you can change that. Today is the day that you can begin praying those prayers. And so if that is you, I'd encourage you, um, as we sing, we're going to have some pastors down here at front, and we would love to talk to you about it. One of the things I, I know the most um, scary thing about becoming a Christian is thinking, I still don't understand it all. Okay, You don't. If you're going to wait until you understand everything before you give your life to Christ, you will never give your life to Christ. That's not how it works. This passage tells us here, even as believers, you do not have to comprehend so that you can be saved. You are saved and follow Jesus, and then you pray, and the comprehension comes later. You may have questions, and our pastor would love to talk with you. Okay? 
You may not understand all this, but you know a burden in your soul that is calling you to the Lord, and I would encourage you to answer that call today, okay? Do not wait any longer. These are powerful prayers that will change your life, yet if you have not yielded your life to God and given it to Him and ask Him to forgive your sins and believe in Jesus and confess that He is the Lord and boss of your life, if you have not done that, these prayers will remain impossible in your life. And so if that's you, um, as we sing, come forward and one of our pastors would love to talk with you. Um, Let's pray together. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.